Medicare is complicated. Medicare can be confusing. Medicare is no fun to study. Will you know what decisions to make when Medicare time arrives for you? My name is Doug Jones, and I wrote a book to help you figure it all out. Medicare for the Lazy Man. It's on sale at Amazon and BarnesandNoble.com. Also, you can download and listen to my podcast, Medicare for the Lazy Man, wherever fine podcasts are given away free of charge. Medicare for the Lazy Man, simplest and easiest guide ever. A pirate's favorite letter? You might think it's R, but it's really C, as the Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast knows for sure. A podcast still searching for the real killer. He refers to himself in the fourth person, Medicare expert, Doug Jones. Hello, everybody. Thank you for joining us today. This is a wonderful, wonderful, sunny, warm day in Arizona to be able to have a classroom full of eager Medicare students. And I think that's you. Uh, if you heard my Canadian nephew, Drew McMillan, then you know that I am Doug Jones, your Medicare expert, or at least your Medicare specialist. I'm so happy to have you here, and I want to tell you that if you've come for Medicare knowledge, you're going to get a uh, truckload of it, and it's going to be very painless for you to absorb that knowledge. How can I make it painless? I can suggest that you buy my book, Medicare for the Lazy Man 2023. If you go to Amazon.com or BarnesandNoble.com and put that into the search window, Medicare for the Lazy Man, don't forget the numbers. 2023, you're going to find yourself faced with an array of different editions of the book that will deliver Medicare knowledge to you in a painless but very thorough way. So you can have the audible book where you listen to it. You can have the uh, the um, Kindle version or the ebook version, which is very, very inexpensive. You can have the paperback, the old workhorse of the Medicare for the Lazy Man series. That's the one that outsells every other um, every other edition of the book. And then finally, we've created a masterpiece, a masterpiece museum quality collector's version for a mere $22 that you can either enhance your the beauty of your uh, bookshelves with, or you can wrap it up and give it to a friend or loved one who might be having a birthday. And you can either give it to them as a joke, like, ha ha ha, you're getting old. Remember the Lordy Lordy so-and-so is turning 40 uh, theme that used to be so prevalent. Well, you can give it to somebody as a joke saying you're about ready for Medicare, or you can give it to somebody who's about 65 years old, 64, I would suggest 64 years old, and let them peruse that book at their leisure because whoever reads it is going to acquire enough Medicare knowledge to be completely confident of their approach to and their passage through the Medicare transition in their lives. And that's what I live for, to help people acquire the Medicare knowledge that gives them confidence and the ability to approach Medicare and to conquer it and come out the winner. And sometimes I can help with the addition of the required ancillary insurance that makes their Medicare protection from high medical bills completely bulletproof. So 
Medicare for the Lazy Man 2023 will be your defense against unexpectedly atrocious medical bills. And speaking of atrocious, uh, I have a, a, a compadre, a, a Medicare uh, a companion who likes to share adventures with me, and he's about to embark on an adventure that uh, I believe is going to be very exciting for him. I've been going to dentists all my life, and I've been begging for gas, and they always find some stupid excuse not to allow me to have gas. Randy, on the other hand, has found a dentist who is very liberal and free with the gas, and I'm so excited for him. I want to go with him to his first appointment and just watch the application of the gas. Randy, tell me what it's going to be like. Well, I think I think maybe if you sit close enough, uh-huh. You might be able to get some leftovers coming out the side of the that'd mask. Be, that'd be fantastic. Do they have a mask built for two? <laughs> that would be awesome, wouldn't it? Uh, mm. The fact of the matter is, is I don't think that's going to happen, but you just never know. I uh, I really am looking forward to getting this process started. I won't bar, bore anybody with the gory details, but I have a massive amount of uh, dental work to do for a variety of reasons because uh, – uh, I've had various collapses in my dental process over the years for for a variety of reasons, uh, mostly because I have osteoporosis, which is really an unusual thing for a guy. I inherited it from my mother, bless her little pointed head, uh, but I I ended up with it. And fortunately, I I just it's a silent disease, as many of you may know or may not know. And I didn't know I had it until I was in a rollover car accident, and my and my I ended up with uh, five fractures in my back, Ouch. and my and my doctor said I don't know, uh, you know. She told me I had a lady doctor, and I she says, "Well, tell me about this rollover accident." And I told her, and she goes, and she's looking at the X-rays from when I was in the you know the emergency room, and she goes, "I don't think these are jiving." You know, what I'm seeing in your x-rays is not jive with the story you're telling. Yes, I, I understand you were in a rollover accident, but it doesn't jive with the the uh, damage that you had, the four, four or five fractures that you have in your spine. And ultimately, she discovered that I had osteoporosis. So there you go. Wow. If, it wouldn't have been for, if it wouldn't have been for her vigilance, I probably would have had happen, which used to be told about my grandmother's women, my grandmother's age. She fell and broke her hip. Well, folks, that's not the way it works. Your hip breaks and then you fall. Oh, I see. That's so your bones become so fragile. They right. can't support you anymore. Right. Right. That's exactly what happens. And they uh, they definitely uh, it's it's a silent disease. So unless you have some way of knowing it, like I I chanced into it. Or if you have a doctor that's, uh, you know, if anybody's on the podcast here and, and you happen to be of the female persuasion uh, and you haven't had a bone scan, I would recommend from Uncle Randy here, let you know, do not pass go, do not collect $200, go ask your GP for a bone scan because that's the only way you're going to know if you've got it. Well, the other thing, too, about this, at least from my perspective, is I have been to your the area of your car wreck many times. And uh, that is a frightening place to have a rollover accident because it's basically yeah. a cliff. It's uh, yeah. the road goes uh, over a hill and then down, 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 down. Yes, absolutely. It's it's a scary it's a scary location. And uh, fortunately, we flipped seven times going over the freeway going west. Were you counting? 
I, I'm I, sorry. That's a rollover accident joke there, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> was like, yes, I was. Uh, I, I was counting. And when I got over, I we actually flew over the westbound lane uh, as we were flipping and then augured into the other side. And fortunately, uh, God bless all the first responders. I don't know how we were so lucky, but we had uh, emergency re- emergency folks. We had California Highway Patrol. You name it, we had it literally there at the car wreck within Five minutes. I don't know how it happened. That is incredible, too, considering the uh, location. It is a. Uh, it's not a populated area. It's um. It's out in the desert. You know, basically where Patton did tank uh, maneuvers before World yeah. War II really yeah. got going, and uh, it's approaching Indio, California. So yeah, you and, you, and you, the reason I got so quick service was that if you remember, there's a gas station there. Yeah, at the, at, the crossover, at the crossover. So the reason that we got such quick service was that all for some reason, all the first responders, the the highway patrol, the emergency squads, all that stuff were, were happened to be there filling up. Well, I think maybe they call that high Scirocco, Scirocco High Summit. That's what it is. Yeah, yeah. Scirocco Summit. And uh, I've always wanted to stop there because they have a patent museum there. And uh, well, that's, for one, that's the reason I was so damn lucky was well, uh, good for Patton and good for you. I mean, so, you know, ultimately I hand it to the California Highway Patrol and all the people they brought with them, because if it wasn't for them, I think the outcome might have been different. Well, I'm glad it wasn't because you and I wouldn't be sitting here talking today uh, no. and and have that diagnosis made sooner than the damage. I mean, to arrest the damage um, before it got to be really bad. That's another unintended consequence that worked out in your advantage, in your uh, favor. Well, I've got to hand it to my GP too, because she, if it wasn't for her in, inquisitiveness and you know w- thinking outside the box, yeah, uh, she she wouldn't have uh, chanced on that idea at all and sent me for a bone scan. Well, that's uh, that's good for you. I'm glad it worked out. Um, we probably ought to get going here because. We tend to get chatty, and then all of our time ticks away. And so I am uh, I wanted to get to one of the first things that we've done on a regular basis recently, and that is the, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention has um, taken it upon themselves to try to control our language and prevent us from using the time-tested uh, adjectives that we've used for people in various conditions over the uh, last couple of centuries. I don't know why they decided to uh, to do this, but um, I knew that we hit a nerve that we actually uh, were creating some interest when I got a note from Steve, our buddy in Texas. And Steve is one of the uh, most prolific of our correspondents. And he sent me a note and he said, could you send me a link to the CDC collection of terminology that they want to change for the English language? And I said, sure, here you go. And I offer that same service to any other listeners who want to see the full document. It's a multi-page list of terminology that they insist that we start using. Not only is it awkward, but it's multisyllabic and it's just completely stupid, in my opinion. And that's why I like to share it with you. But in any event, Steve wrote back after having having a chance to peruse this document, and he said, it's odd uh, that they they give a different term for crazy and insane. 
He said, I think both are non-medical terms that are used casually. I think that's, you know, Randy calls me crazy and insane all the time. I can take it as a casual uh, thing, not as a medical diagnosis, so it doesn't hurt my feelings. But apparently the CDC thinks that somebody is going to have their feelings hurt. Well, that happens to be, Steve is right on the money, because that happens to be the uh, category that we're going to be addressing today. Anyway, he also goes on to say, come in in some categories, there is not a one-to-one match for the terms. And then, he, of course, leave it to Steve. Under sexual orientation, he said it really gets confusing. I always thought queer was not a polite term. What the hell is two-spirit? How much did this cost the taxpayers? So I got to tell you, I'm you know he's uh, telling me that we have something to look forward to. And um, I can't wait till we get into the area that attracted his attention. But today we're doing mental health and behavioral health. So here are the terms that the CDC insists that you never, ever, never, ever, ever use again, even though they've served us perfectly well for uh, many decades, if not centuries. Uh, the terms are mentally ill. We can't say that somebody's mentally ill. And I thought that was a pretty polite cover-up for crazy lunatics. Oh, crazy and insane, two other terms that, the, that we're not allowed to uh, use. Mental defect suffers from or is afflicted with, and then it has the word condition in parentheses. So, so-and-so, you can't say that they suffer from or that they're afflicted with a particular condition. And you can't use the word asylum anymore, like a mental hospital would have been an asylum. We're not supposed to use that term. So here's what the CDC wants us to use. And they all start with people for the most part. Isn't that crazy? They want us to use the term people with a mental illness, people with a pre-existing mental health disorder. Notice how that's um, adding a whole lot of syllables to what used to be very simple to say that so-and-so was crazy or so-and-so was insane. People with a pre-existing behavioral health disorder. That's adding even more syllables. And get ready for this. Buckle up, people. People with a diagnosis of a mental illness slash mental health disorder slash behavioral health disorder. They just took all those other ones and put them all together. That's incredible to me that that would be an uh, addition to their their uh, lexicon of discussion of people with mental health problems. Psychiatric hospital or facility, that's what they want to use instead of asylum, I guess. And then they have some notes here. Mental illness is a general condition. Specific disorders are types of mental illness and should be used whenever possible, i.e., when not referring to people with different mental health disorders collectively. I don't know what that means. For example, consider people with depression, people with obsessive compulsive disorder. Ah, you know, I <laughs> they're going to stretch out every conversation to uh, a lengthy, confusing mess if we allow them to have their way. The notes continue. When referring to people who are experiencing symptoms, for example, depression, anxiety, but a condition has not been diagnosed or the symptoms may not reach a clinical threshold, consider using these following terms. People experiencing mental distress. People experiencing crisis or trauma. People experiencing persistent high stress or anxiety. Well, I'll tell you right now, you CDC people are stressing me out 
and making me anxious. And I am now a people with uh, anxiety and high stress, thanks to you morons. So I'll meet you back here next time with our next list of CDC nomenclature. (laughs) Okay, moving right along to the next uh, item we have, a um, person wrote in to me and asked a question, a lady, and I answered it and I thought, This might be helpful for some people who are in Medicare who are looking at whether or not they need a prescription drug plan. And it's uh, it answers a question that I maybe uh, is unspoken by a lot of people. So her name is Wanda. And she said, hi, Douglas. First of all, I just want to say thank you for providing such good information in your book, Medicare for the Lazy Man. I just turned 65 this month and it's been very helpful. I have told others about it. I love that, Wanda. Thank you very much. She goes on to say, I have Medicare Part A, but since I'm still on my husband's insurance, I did not need Medicare Part B at this time. And she's absolutely correct about that. Then she said, however, a friend that is a few years older than I uh, said I may want to check into the prescription drug plan because the later you wait, you have to pay more. My husband's insurance does not have a good prescription drug plan. As of now, I only use prescription eye drops, but would like to be prepared for anything uh, should it arise. Could you please give me some advice on what steps I should take, if any? Thank you so much. Uh, Kind regards, Wanda. And Wanda is referring to the fact that if you go without a prescription drug plan when you are eligible to buy one, and then decide later on down the road that you want a prescription drug plan, when you buy it, when you acquire that prescription medication plan, that PDP, prescription drug plan, you're going to have to pay a late enrollment penalty for the rest of your life. And nobody wants to pay a lifetime late enrollment penalty. So she was wondering whether her friend is right. Is it uh, is she risking the late enrollment penalty by not taking the prescription drug plan at age 65? So here's my answer. Thanks for writing, Mrs. So-and-so, and and thanks for the kind words about my book. There will be no late enrollment penalty as long as your husband's drug plan is considered to be creditable coverage. How would you find out whether that's true? Simple. The plan, or the insurance company that he's covered by, is supposed to tell you when you ask them. So you should go and ask them if their coverage is considered to be creditable by the government. And the problem, uh, so the probability exists that even though you don't think it's a very good drug benefit, it's still protecting you from a future late enrollment penalty. So that's the whole thing. If you're worried that you are going to have a late enrollment penalty by not signing up for a a Medicare uh, Part D prescription drug plan, go and ask your current benefit, uh, your pharmacy benefit uh, company if their coverage is creditable, and if their coverage is creditable, then you are perfectly fine waiting until that coverage goes away or until you want to get a Part D prescription drug plan. And then, of course, I tacked on my favorite paragraph. I said, since you thought my book was helpful, you might consider going back to Amazon and leaving a very short written review. Just a few words can help other potential readers who are looking for reliable information. And then she wrote back and she said, thank you so much, Doug, for the speedy response. I will definitely follow through on your advice. I will also give a remark on Amazon regarding your book. Thank you and have a great day. So it was a pleasure dealing with Wanda. 
And I'm hoping that she uh, gets the answer from her husband's drug plan that she's seeking, which is that it is creditable coverage and she doesn't have to worry about getting a Part D prescription drug plan at this time. So moving ahead, I discovered this, and while it's not really Medicare for spe- uh, Medicare specific, I, it does explain some problems that I had as a youth. I, I think I've mentioned before that uh, I left high school and went to college, and I pledged a fraternity and moved into the fraternity house, and from that, and I got a girlfriend, and all, all of those activities caused me to spend my freshman year in college completely sleep deprived. Uh, we pledges in the fraternity house had to do a lot of physical labor, much of which occurred late at night, or we had to get up early in the morning to start waking up all the actives so they weren't late for their classes. And I was sleep deprived. I didn't realize it at the time, but I was not very good about uh, being on time to my classes, uh, which is uh, reflected in my transcript of grades from that particular year. So the headline in this article is a TikToker. Okay, that tells you what what category of uh, age they're going to be in. A TikToker went viral for blaming being late to work on a a new sickness. This girl came up with a a reason that she's consistently late for everything. She calls it time blindness. And uh, it's let me uh, tear into this article and see how far I get before we start laughing. Randy's already looking a little skeptical. And I don't blame him. Uh, he's thinking, oh, this sounds a little uh, little fakey, but uh, could perpetually running late be a sign of a mental health condition? Ooh, we're getting back into CDC territory here. A person recently went viral on TikTok for saying in a tearful video, I wish I had seen it, that she was reprimanded for asking for an accommodation for time blindness. So what she did was she went to, I don't know, her boss, let's say, and said, I have an illness that causes me to be perpetually late. It's called, what's that illness? It's called time blindness. A condition, she said, makes it harder to show up for work on on time. Oh, boy. This video has garnered more than 4.6 million views and plenty of mockery in the comments. But the mental health experts say that time blindness is actually a legitimate experience. This is why (laughs) I'm not a mental health expert. (laughs) especially for people with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder or ADHD. Um, Time blindness is difficulty with a perception of time and how much time has passed, how much time it's going to take to do something. And it can be quite impairing to people, says a psychotherapist. If you consider over, if you consistently over or underestimate how much time has passed, or seem to run late no matter how hard you try not to. I'm trying real hard to be on time, but I just can't help myself. Or if you think you've been distracted for a few minutes, only to look at a clock and see that two hours have gone by, you may be time blind. Here's what you should know if you think you might be time blind. So the first thing you should know is what causes it. People with time blindness struggle to keep track of and estimate time. It's harder for them to gauge how long it'll take to complete a task or how long it'll take to arrive somewhere. Although it's most commonly observed in people with ADHD, time blindness can manifest itself in anyone with impairment in executive function stemming from the frontal lobe area. Oh, now they've got it nailed down to what part of the brain is causing this. The frontal lobe area of the brain, which is responsible for personality, judgment, 
self-control, and more. The frontal lobe is like a floodgate for the brain. Uh, time blindness can also be present in people with depression, anxiety, bipolar disorder. Gee, it's pretty much like everything. I don't have time to read all of the other um, companion conditions that uh, time blindness can accompany. Another psychologist, that's that's like one too many psychologists in this article here. Um, this person specializes in ADHD. Um, he adds that people also can experience temporary bouts of time blindness if they are grieving, drunk, stressed, or sleep deprived. That covers just about everybody. <laughs> I know that it, uh, during my life, I've had all of those things, sometimes all at the same time. People also experience time blindness to varying degrees. Um, we all have some sense of time, this ability to see and be aware of time. It's a human ability, and that's on a spectrum. Some people are really good, and some people are not so good. And then, uh, let's see, how can people cope with it? Well, alarms, using an alarm clock might help. Scheduling apps, uh, also that's a newer technology. They're your best friends. Try an analog clock instead of a digital clock. That's like um, using shoelaces instead of uh, Velcro shoe closures. You know, you if you had Velcro shoe closures, you're going to forget how to tie a bow, bow or a, uh, a shoelace in a bow knot. And, uh, I think my shoelace terminology might be uh, wanting here, but anyway, get plenty of sleep. Sleep deprivation can exacerbate time blindness and other symptoms of ADHD. If you're having a lack of sleep and have a lot of life changes going on, it's really important to talk to somebody about that because that can make your ex executive dysfunction even more dysfunctional. And then it says, see an ADHD specialist. Well, this article is written by mental health professionals. Of course, they want you to go spend your money uh, to support another mental health specialist. For those who don't struggle with time blindness, getting frustrated and exasperated with somebody who does won't solve the problem. Oh, I believe it will. If you, if, you know, if you uh, cut them loose, they'll probably learn a valuable lesson. We all have different strengths and weaknesses. Uh, not only do we positively reinforce people's strengths, we also need to be kind and understanding about people's weaknesses. And getting upset with somebody isn't going to improve that weakness. Well, let's give them all a participation trophy, shall we? Now, oh, time blindness. If you have somebody use that excuse, uh, Randy, stop laughing. Let's take this seriously. It's a, it's a serious, serious thing. And uh, Randy's laughing up a storm over there. Okay, now here is something that might be very useful for people who are either on Medicare or approaching Medicare, because I get this question a lot. The question is, how does Medicare cover preventive health services? And uh, it's this is a column I just signed up for so I can be a, uh, uh, a participant in this. Oh, boy. You know, I'm thinking now that Randy has probably heard those crickets, uh, and it may be that we want to postpone this to the next episode. Randy, what's the cricket situation out there? They have cricketed. Oh boy, and I'm—I've got all this exciting um, curation here, and I don't know what to do about uh, postponing it. I guess what we're going to have to do is just shut the thing down, and um, let's. Uh, oh, here's one I can do very quickly, and I can get it out of the pile. If you enroll in Medicare Part A and Part B, very close to your 65th birthday. Some people want to know when their coverage is going to be effective. So here's the deal. 
your open enrollment period, your Medicare open enrollment um, initial enrollment period is a seven-month period that starts three months before the month you turn 65. It covers the month you turn 65 and lasts for three months afterwards in case you have time blindness. You might accidentally overlook the fact that you should have enrolled before your 65th birth month. So if you enroll within three months before turning 65, Medicare Part A and Part B will both begin the first day of the month in which you turn 65. Also, add a month to that. If um, if you're born on the first of a month, this is all going to start one month earlier. I'm dealing with that with my cousin right now. He was born on my daughter's birthday, November 1st, and so all of his Medicare is going to start October 1st. That's just, we don't know why that is. Medicare just came up with that. I think maybe they were uh, getting into the cooking sherry and this seemed like a good idea at the time until they sobered up. So now let's suppose that you're enrolling in Medicare in the month you turn 65 and three months after. In that case, so during that four-month period, the month you're turning 65 in plus the three months afterwards, and if you enroll in that period of time, your Part A of Medicare will be backdated to begin the month that you turn 65. It'll be given to you retroactively. If you're enrolling in the month that you turn 65, then Medicare Part B will begin the first of the following month. And if you're enrolling one month after you turn 65, your Medicare Part B will begin the first of the month after that. If you're enrolling two months after you turn 65, Part B of Medicare will begin the following month after that. And the same thing, if you're enrolling in the third month after you turn 65, your Part B of Medicare will be effective the following month. So it's remotely possible that Part A and Part B will begin at different times for you because you have screwed up your schedule and you've been time blind. So I would say the ideal thing for you to do is to enroll in Medicare during the three months before your 65th birth month. All right, Randy, let's, uh, I think that's enough Medicare uh, content for today. Shall we uh, wrap it up and head out? I believe that is a good, good idea. But before we do, I just wanted to point out that there's a there's a solution to time blindness, Doug. Oh, boy. I, I, lay it on me because we're decades too late, but I, maybe I can still use it. It's it's actually called a clock. Oh, uh, yeah. There's been there's been clocks in existence for quite some time. There, you know, there's there's. You know, there they, they, there was sand dropping through an hourglass. There was, you know, water dripping through something. There's been clocks in a long, long history of stuff. But according to the article, we cannot use a uh, digital clock. It's got to be analog or uh, uh, perhaps an hourglass or something like that. I don't know why that would be other than the fact that they can't read. <laughs> it's incredible that they are so creative at coming up with excuses for the, the poor behavior. When I was time blind, I didn't have that as an excuse. I just had to take the consequences of my my uh, sleep-deprived stupidity. Well, my family, we are just exactly the opposite. We are so aware of our responsibilities in terms of where we need to be and when we need to be that my dad, if you didn't show up at a meeting at least 10 minutes ahead of time, you had failed. Well, my dad spent enough time in the Army and at war 
to know that, <laughs> you know, sleep was not a priority and it was, uh, you know, get up early and go kill the enemy. And then, you know, maybe have a little lunch after that. Yeah. Then have a beer and some lunch. But sure. anyway, so we need to move on. We've uh, talked about a lot of different things today. Some very interesting stuff. You know, I, I'm glad I've learned how to refer to crazy people now. I always wondered. Well, now you know. Now I know. Well, anyway, long story short is we need to sign off. We need to land the plane and bring the bus into the station. But before we do, Doug always wants me to mention that he likes to get emails from you. And I would like you to get your pencil out, sharpen it up a bit, and write down his email address, dbj at mlmmailbag.com. You can reach him at that email address, and he looks for your mail every morning. And if he doesn't get something, he's a depressed little camper. Yeah. Mm. So long story short is that's the email address to keep pasted to your refrigerator. But there's a couple other things I always like to mention. We see we seem to gloss past it some days, and I just want to point it out because it's something that's you know, very unique and very important. Doug is a nationwide licensed agent to help you with your Medicare supplement choosing and planning. And that's pretty that's pretty special and very important. You can check us out at MedicareForTheLazyMan.com. We would appreciate you finding a place to give us a couple reviews, you know, mention a little bit about us. Uh, like Doug says, a short review is worth a thousand other things. So, Give us a short review, both on the book and the podcast. We'd certainly appreciate it. But last but not least, and certainly not the least important, thank you for joining us. You could have been a million different places doing a hundred different things, and you weren't. You chose to spend a little bit of time with Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast, and we appreciate it. So thank you very much. Speaking of time blindness, We may have been a little bit over time, but not a whole lot. You have just spent, a, ooh, I'd say, about 32 and a half minutes with Doug Jones, the anti-insurance insurance guy from Oklahoma. No more camped out in the high-altitude areas behind Cave Creek, Arizona, looking at his Army surplus watch. Thank you so much, Randy, and thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for joining us today. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye.